0: When you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you just spend all day in an office chair, CBD MD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD freeze and recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier, try freeze recover and every other CBD MD product. You can take 25% off your next order. When you use the promo code NBA at checkout again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dipping back into the mailbag on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at Locked On PHX Suns, and you can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Clean fourteen. Yes, mailbag today, Twitter questions. I appreciate. It seems like I can always tell how excited you guys are by how many questions I get. Um, But welcome to any new listeners. It's been a fun stretch of games here. Three straight wins to get back on track, to get to the top half of the Western Conference. Yes, the Suns are currently in position to host a playoff series in the first round, which seems crazy to even say. But also, I think a lot of us were hoping that 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 would be where things trended. So uh, a positive sign that the Suns are getting back on track. If you're new here, though, as I said, welcome in. Hit that subscribe button, that follow button on whatever platform you're on. And just to introduce myself to any new folks out there, I cover the Suns as a credentialed reporter, which means I'm at games, I'm on these Zoom practice, um, these Zoom availabilities at practice and at shoot around, and uh, I write about the team as well in addition to this podcast over at Forbes NSP Nation. So welcome on in. As I said, hit that follow button, hit that subscribe button to get me every single day in your podcast feed wherever you listen. And... If you want to be on these mailbag episodes going forward, at Locked On PHX Suns, as I said at the top of the show. But I got about ten to twenty questions here, so I'm going to try my best to get through as many of them as possible. There are quite a few uh, that are probably going to overlap here a little bit, but it's worth looking into everyone's because I again appreciate how much you guys were able to uh, to ask. It makes me excited that you're thinking about this team as much as me. It's been quite a long time of these mailbags just being about the draft and and which guy's going to go number one and who's a good fit for the Suns and whatever. Uh, so it's nice, to, uh, it's nice to think about some other stuff for one. So let's dive right in here. Got a couple questions about the trade market. So let's start there. It's from Josh, as well as who is at Oshkosh underscore Josh, as well as Vice at the legend Vice. Josh just asked what realistic options the Suns have for another big or guard before the deadline. And Vice asked about specific guys like PJ Tucker, Andre Drummond, and JJ Redick. I would say first and foremost of that list, Vice, that I think PJ a guy that I'm gonna be homed in on if if it's possible for the Suns Um, I think you know as far as gettable players I like him because his salary is pretty low meaning that you could probably put a few players in and not have to give up a high level asset and we know PJ expressed interest in being traded in the past I I think Houston's strong play lately maybe makes him less urgent about that but he wants a payday and so that's I think where the logical question would be I think Tucker's a pretty good fit He's sort of a similar player to JJ to uh to Jay Crowder rather um in that defensively like for the most part his 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 primary his best attributes are going to be his strength and physicality combined with his just team defensive instincts he knows where to rotate he knows how to help and make life a problem for driving ball handlers, things like that. A lot of the same stuff as Crowder, but you could never have too many players like that. And, and Tucker can stay on the floor offensively as well, as we know. So I like him. But is that all enough? Having just signed Crowder to that three-year contract at the mid-level exception, is that enough what Tucker does to make you want to have both guys? And so that's that's where my question would come in. With Tucker is we know not only does he kind of want to be traded but most importantly he wants to get paid on the next contract and I'm just not exactly sure that that makes sense for the Suns if there's anywhere he would be happy I would say it it might be Phoenix I just don't know if on their side it makes a whole ton of sense but I would say JJ Redick is another guy and and I think it's worth considering where, where Redick is right now as a player like is he What he used to be? No. Is he a starting level player at age 36 going on 37? Be 37 by the playoffs? I don't think so. Uh, This season, he's averaging just eight points a game, shooting 35% from the field, just 34% from three. Wasn't even in the rotation for a while. You know, part of that might just be not being able to get into a rhythm. Some of those teams that were in the bubble and then left right away, like the Suns. I could see we've seen them have some trouble getting oriented just with the stop and start nature of things. But for the most part, I think Reddick is still a guy you could put in a rotation as a shooting option. I think just for me, the question then becomes, well, is he better enough than a Langston Galloway to earn minutes consistently where you would be wanting to give him give give uh, assets up? For him, And I just think right now the answer is no, unless he continues to play really well as a member of the Pelicans rotation, he's played consistently lately, then maybe that helps his his value makes you feel a little better about giving something up for him. But his salary is pretty big, it would take some some real pieces to get him and as well as, you know, maybe an asset or two just because the Pelicans would be You know, if if they're able to trade him, they would want to. There's also the possibility they buy him out. And and that's a conversation for a different day as we get closer. But I think both Tucker and Reddick, to answer your question, Vice, are are not perfect. I, I think as Josh asked in his part of this question... That's where I start to look is the two positions that he highlighted, which would be a big and that can actually be a few different types of things like you could have the Aaron Gordon type of big the the rim protecting sort of two way four that we've been talking about for it seems like uh, years at this point next to DeAndre Ayton. I think that reared its head in a big way at in several different games recently, including the Pelicans game last Wednesday and some of that's just going to be like, you know, could Crowder have played more in that game and, and filled some of that hole? Sure. You know, when Ayton's at his best and maybe when they have Dario, the front court rotation isn't so thin where you're having to play somebody like a Frank Kaminsky. But I think that type of a guy still makes sense here as an option. I've even advocated for somebody like uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson or, or a player like that in the past just for the sake of... Um, having an option that's different than some of the other players in that front court mix. Even Dylan Smith, who Brandon and I talked about on Monday as a guy who needs to play more minutes. Like he fits that mold too. So maybe that's the guy who fills that uh, type of role going down the line in the season. But for now, I think that's a possible target in the trade market. Josh, I would say, you know, Gordon's the obvious name, When you think about that type of a player, I thought Tim Bontemps had a good write-up of the trade market, um, but for the most part, his his analysis was there's just not bound to be many guys available, so I'm not sure who it would be besides Gordon that would be a difference-making level of player who fills that type of a role for a team. Those are very valuable players in the league for a good reason, so there's not a lot of them. Um, But the other type of big I would think would be similar to, I guess, what Brandon is saying or I'm sorry, what Josh is saying in that question as well, which is. Or what a uh, Vice said, which is the he he po- talked about the Cavs bigs, Jared Allen or Andre Drummond. I don't think Jared Allen is available. They went out of their way to go get him. They included themselves in that Nets Rockets deal with James Harden just to get Jared Allen. They're not gonna they're not gonna flip him, but it would be Drummond, it would be JaVale McGee, more likely, in that same mix on that team. I've talked about Gorgie Jang before. There's always players like this. Uh, maybe Maybe you don't have to trade for one if you find a a buyout guy or you find someone after this G League bubble that you feel decently about. You know, we saw Jonathan Motley in the past, like that type of player is not too hard to find, but it is pretty hard to find one who actually can play in the playoffs. And so finding a guy who you can use as an innings eater a little bit, somebody who can, you know, get down in the post, play some defense, use their fouls, finish on lobs that just that type of thing, basically like a, a very... Um, you know b minus c minus version of deandre ayton's role on this team is is valuable as well you know along those lines like i said mcgee jang players like that there's there's bound to be more names as we get closer maybe somebody Willie callie stein maybe as as powell and porzingis and kleba get healthier for dallas maybe you can get callie stein from them those types of guys, I think, could play a role. Like we we know why Damian Jones has gotten some run here. It's just that that's not the right player for what the Suns need. They need somebody far better than that. So those are, that's that's sort of my gauge on the trade market right now. And then to, to think about guards, um, I would look at the Wizards with Ish Smith. Maybe his return to Phoenix could make some sense. I would say, I mean, for trades, it's just, it's it's tough because i think those players again are are very very valuable players um, like the nuggets have compazo they're not going to trade him he's a little extraneous there but they've still been finding minutes for him i would say yeah you you're getting to like that yogi Ferrell level of player that always seems to be changing hands this time of year but i just think so many teams need that right now like smith might be the best guy that that you might reasonably be able to get i don't know i mean maybe could you get Tyus Jones from Memphis i kind of don't think so i actually think he's hurt right now anyway or or out for covid so it's tough i don't think there's an obvious answer backup point guard is i think a, a position that's getting on more highly valued around the league so we'll have to see if anyone if any names come up obviously Lonzo Ball's out there i don't think of him as really the point guard type of player that the suns need uh, and honestly, that might just get solved when campaign gets healthy. So maybe that's not even something worth pursuing, giving up assets to get between Payne and now each one more both sort of filling that role for this team. I think it's something you would look at, but you probably don't want to give up too much. I'm probably still of the mind that the only position I would be really giving assets up for might be an Aaron Gordon type player. Uh, but again, the Suns also don't have many assets to give up. So not not really. I wouldn't expect a very, I just wouldn't expect much to happen at the deadline for the Suns. They set themselves up to build. They built this team for the most part in the preseason, in the offseason. It's not uh, set up to have a, a momentous trade midseason. The the Chris Paul trade was their move. The Jay, the, they, they, the, yeah, the Jay Crowder signing was the other move and we'll have to see sort of if they can even do much of anything after that. But let's dive into more of these questions. I'll go more rapid fire. I really just wanted to take some time on that trade market stuff to start things out. But before that, Blue Nile is the second sponsor of today's show and their product, their collection, rather, 1010. You may have read about 1010 in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you more about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by, you guessed it, 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. When they are gone, they are gone. We all know what the diamond engagement ring is and how iconic it can be. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers who worked exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. So if you're ready to mark a special commitment or are looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, you are definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. Mailbag continuing here on today's episode of Locked On Suns. I'm looking through here. I got a lot of questions about the rotation and the injury situation and sort of where things will stack up once this team gets better. That was uh, the Kaminsky method at Sundarus Dunks. That was, let's see, Saric, sar- sarcastic remarks. I like that one. It's at round uh, underscore mound 84. A lot of questions on this one. So let's let's dive in. I would say just to quickly run things run through things here today for the injury report. As we're looking toward this Bucks game, which will be on Wednesday night when most of you hear this, we have the same guys basically out. So we have Nader is questionable, Crowder is questionable, Chris Paul is questionable. My hunch is all three play. I think they used the second night of that back to back to get guys Healthy, Crowder has slowly trended from out to doubtful to questionable. And I think they're really... My 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 assumption is that they're going to treat this game as pretty important. And rightly so. I think it's a if they win, a very big announcement win to beat the Bucs. And the best way to beat the Bucs probably is to have Crowder as part of the defensive answer for Giannis Antetokounmpo. And so my guess is that they they will play him I think Paul has to play so we'll see Nader I'm not so sure but those, those guys are I'm not I'm not super concerned about about the injuries. I would say with the other two pain and charge we're probably looking at quite a long recovery process guys just to be completely honest this answered Marco Vargas's question at elferos 34. Uh, I think both injuries were re-injuries, were aggravations of similar things. Um, at least Sharik, it was coming back from the COVID absence, and then he sprained an ankle. And then for uh, campaign, it was a sprained ankle, and then he it looked like came back at less than a hundred percent, and then sprained his foot. So the same area, but a different injury, that's never a good sign either. So I'm thinking guys, to be honest with you, that those are both multiple weeks longer that those players will be out. And so you're, you're going to have to keep adapting. So I saw some of you asked like, you know, where do you find minutes for Frank Kaminsky when Sharich comes back? You know, where do you find minutes for more or will there be minutes for more when Payne comes back, and I think that's honestly a question that's still quite a ways from needing to be answered. My hunch is that both Moore and Kaminsky end up back at the end of the bench once things are all said and done. I think Payne and Sharich, when they were playing, played pretty incredible basketball given the expectations and given their role. I think they were both huge positives. As I've talked about time and again, the bench was the reason this team started out the way that it did the the bench was what was winning games. The starting unit was pretty bad for quite a while. And starting in those four first quarters, they were, they were down double digits often by the time the starters checked out and the bench was sort of saving the day. That's a lot because of pain and a lot because of charge. And so I think that's going to be what you should expect. Yes. More is a nice option there. If anything, I would say he would start to earn minutes over, uh, over Carter, to be honest with you. And that was uh, the sarcastic remarks at round underscore mound 84. Will Moore still see minutes when Cam comes back and will Javon get more minutes? I think Javon will get less minutes. I would say that Moore will get the Carter minutes and and some of the Galloway minutes more so than the Payne minutes because I think having a guy who can have size on defense and still have some playmaking upside, that's a really nice attribute. We know what Javon can provide. We know Galloway is a better shooter than Moore, but more sort of the best of all worlds. It's why I thought he was going to be in the rotation coming into the season. And he hasn't, you know, necessarily, I don't want to overreact to a couple of games here, including the big, the big game he had against Cleveland starting and playing 40 minutes. But this is a guy who's still just shooting 40, 40 percent from the field so far, just three of 14 from deep. So hasn't covered himself in glory. He's 19 assists to 12 turnovers is pretty ugly. So I'm not going to overreact to more. but I think we're seeing a lot of why I thought he would fit. So I'm going to use the priors of, of knowing how great he's been in different spots and, and assuming that he gets more close to that than to the guy he was where he couldn't hit a shot for a while. I think we're starting to see the real more. So I would think he's probably the fourth guard once Payne comes back as sort of the backup full-time to Booker. Um, and, and then with charge, I mean, he's just going to slide right back into the role that he's always filled. Yes, Frank has played great. I think Frank is still a minus defender pretty clearly. We've seen that time and again. We saw it last night. The Cavs' interior passing was a problem for the Suns that they they were really having trouble handling, in large part because Kaminsky's awareness and athleticism and mobility just wasn't up to the task. We saw him getting, you know, pr- probably unfairly, He was put in a tough spot. You don't expect him to be able to control Jason Tatum, but that just shows once again why that's not how big should be used anymore. And so ideally you're not in that position for Sharic or for Kaminsky. But when you think about what, what you want when when they are playing the five, I think, to be honest, Saric fills that role better as well. So there's really no argument to me why Kaminsky would earn more minutes over Sharge and they just don't need to be playing that many bigs. So all things considered, we've seen when Saric and Aiton were both healthy, they were basically the only two bigs getting minutes. I think that'll continue, especially as Cam can play better, as he has lately, and Crowder can play more consistently, and, and those guys can settle into their roles. I think you're going to see the small ball stuff continue with Sharich as the backup. I As I said, it's not a, an exciting answer for you guys, but I think this team was pretty damn good at the beginning of the season when they had that rotation going, and so maybe the only change is Moore, who I think was the front runner for those minutes in the first place, just sort of slides into that fourth guard spot, but everything else, for the most part, stays the same. Uh, we'll get some more of these. Closing out the show, I have a couple questions on, I have a fun one on Galloway and Cam. I have, uh, let's see, some more on Jalen Smith. So I'll get into some of that, maybe some thoughts on the Bucks game before we get out of here. But first, the second sponsor of today's show, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sports action. Sure. College football and the NFL might be over now, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and we're already prepping for spring training out here in the Valley, so I know you know baseball is right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real updated in, in real time odds and props on just about anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered once again for the news, scores, and odds across every sport, entertainment, anything that you're interested in. You can probably put some money down on it at betonline. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device, download their app, sign up today, use the promo code locked on and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline, your online sports book experts. Let's close the show here with a fun one from Let's see. Who was it from? It was from Long John Silver at Long John 843. He says, I think Galloway is a better three-point shooter than Cam. What do you think? It's actually a pretty good question. And I think these guys always say how they put some. They put together some three-point competitions at the ends of practices, which that would be a fun show. This team has some great shooters. I would obviously throw Booker in there and Paul probably as well, to be honest. But... I can vouch for they, they did that after practices the past two seasons. No reason to doubt that they still do it. And especially when the other option is to go be in your house prison that the NBA has uh, sort of re- restricted them to. I don't think it's a bad idea for them to stay at the gym and put some shots up as long as they can. So it's probably pretty close, to be honest. I think Galloway is a better pure shooter than Cam as well in terms of in an empty gym, one-on-one competition, like let's go around the arc and, and do like a, a fake three-point competition or uh, like that type of a thing. I would pretty definitively say Galloway's is better. He just has a smoother, more compact, more repeatable release. He seems to have just better touch, better hand-eye coordination, all that stuff but in as far as an in-game shooter goes i have to say cam because you cannot block cam johnson's shot he has better footwork i would say than galloway in terms of the way that he can you, he has just a, a wider stance he has i think just more strength in his legs because he's you know a bigger guy has more muscle on him than galloway does i just feel like cam as far as in-game coming off of a variety of situations over a variety of different defenders. Like to me, Cam is, is just almost in when he has it going and when he's confident and when the, the offense is, is going the right way, like he is one of the better shooters in the league already to me, it needs to become more consistent before you can really like make an argument that that works for him, but you can see it already. And and so that's a lot to do with how he matches up on an NBA floor being six, eight, being as big and strong as he is, having the the length that he has, that stuff makes him a better in-game shooter, more valuable NBA player, but Galloway, I think I think you're totally right. I think if if you just put those two guys in a gym, Galloway is probably like Galloway could make, you know, 50 out of 50 if you wanted him to, probably. We've seen those and-ones, we've seen that that beautiful quick release, especially when he's open in the corner, things like that. There's almost no way uh, that, that it's not going in, but there's also limitations. Like he's shorter, the shot can get blocked. As as we've seen with those fouls, like he's pretty easy to, to close out to and he, he knows how to use that, but that also means that there's some limitations there. So that's a fun question. I think I'm sure Galloway has the upper hand in the uh, post-game, post-practice uh, shooting competitions, but I think we all know Cam's is probably the more valuable shooter as a player. This is actually another question to close us out here. From Long John Silver at Long John 843. Why do you think Sticks isn't getting any minutes? We talked about this a little bit um, later in last night's show, in the Monday show with Brandon. But I would say to me that the biggest reason that he's not getting minutes is because of the, the thing we talked about with regard to Monty coming from an older, I think, coaching tree that just sort of says as a rookie as a young player you're gonna to have to earn your minutes all that's fine I think like you think it's not too crazy it's not too long ago but it is pretty crazy to think that Mikhail Bridges was off the bench for most of the beginning of last season this is a guy who had to earn his way into the rotation. And by the end of the bubble, definitely had. But he started the first 20, 30 games of the year. It wasn't until, or more, right? I think it might've even been more than that. He wasn't in the starting lineup definitively until around this time last season when he had that game against Luka and some of those performances on that road trip against Boston and New York that I'm sure many of you remember where he really, really finally became a an everyday part of the lineup. And that obviously extended into this season. But if Mikhail Bridges is going to take some time, Jalen Smith obviously will. But I think it also is a nice way to tie up the show because as I think about the trade market and I think about a guy like Aaron Gordon or I think even back to the offseason when we knew that they would need a player like a Paul Millsap we talked about a lot or Jeremy Grant was somebody we talked about who now seems to be a, a very different type of player than I think we thought of him as back then but all all of that said Jalen Smith is that type of guy and and while or at least in an ideal scenario he's that type of guy and i think where you fall on whether he can fulfill that potential whether the skills that you need to be that type of a player where which is sort of athleticism and and mobility to to be that shot, that shot blocker and rim protector, as well as just overall size, strength, mobility as a sort of paint defender. You need to have all of those qualities to do that. Even if you're not a center, like you probably need to be able to play some center. You need to be comfortable doing all of that stuff alongside a big man or alone. And also for Smith, just whether he can have enough, skills as an offensive player to just stay on the floor whether that's shooting whether that's putting the ball on the ground making the right play for teammates that type of stuff like all of that I'm not incredibly bullish that he's gonna fulfill that enough to be like a starting caliber player who can fit next to DeAndre Ayton which is why I didn't love the pick but for what they need in the rotation right now I think Smith is a great Answer and so yes, he needs to earn those minutes. I think that's the right way to handle things. But I think there's also a point at which you need to sort of maybe take a step back with that as a coach and understand that this year is a little wonky and you probably are going to need guys to adjust on the fly and trust your guys to do that and and let games be a little bit of that practice situation for some guys. It's just the nature of the season. Like we saw Etwan Moore do it. I don't think. I mean, Etuan said I wasn't planning to play 40 minutes. Monty said he wasn't even sure that was going to be the starting lineup. And so, you know, we saw Monty trust Etuan to step up and do that despite the compressed offseason and training camp, despite the lack of chemistry right now. So I get there's a massive difference and several years between Smith and between Moore. But all of that said, they drafted him for a reason. They believed in him when they drafted him. And at a certain point when the obvious fit for what he can provide and what he can help with is there. And there's an impetus to let him work it out sometimes a little more. I think all that coalesces to me that uh, we get why he's not playing maybe as much as as suns fans would like, but at the same time, I think it's it's necessary to let it happen and and to let him, see if it let's let's just see if he can make that impact I feel pretty optimistic he could I think the Suns coaching staff seems to like him still and so I wouldn't be surprised if before too long we do see it it's just a matter of when getting him right getting him to a point where that court time isn't counterproductive And and getting him to a point where he understands what that role needs to be. So I'm going to be interested to watch how Smith gets integrated into this rotation if he does get to play a bit here, and what kind of impact he can make. Because I think he will make one. I think we'll have some games before the season is said and done where we really are are excited about what his future can can be and the progress that he's made. It's just seeing it, and I'm ready to. I don't know. I know some fans are as well. We're also ready to see this Bucks game. So. Enjoy it tonight, guys. Wednesday night, 8 p.m. tip-off on ESPN against Giannis and the Bucks. Going to be a great game. We, we always know Booker comes out for Drew Holiday. He's had some nice duels with that guy in the past. Crowder-Giannis is a nice matchup. Uh, Ayton giannis is, is a fascinating matchup. And then we have, you know, how did the Sun slow down Chris Middleton between... Mikhail and Cam and some of the other guys who will see time there. So it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. I think you guys probably are as well. So I will be back at the buzzer or as close to it as possible after I get home from covering the game in person and here to record a recap show. So check those feeds for that one. Hope you enjoyed the mailbag today and enjoy your Wednesday.